Are you looking for true personal freedom? The freedom to design the life you truly desire? Then you're absolutely in the right place. True personal freedom comes from when you take 100% responsibility and control of your money and your mind. Here, you're going to learn ideas, tips, and wisdom that's gonna help you bridge the gap from where you are now to your dream life in the future. My name is Randy Wilson, and welcome to the Rich Mind Podcast. All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Rich Mind Podcast. And today, coming to you with another fantastic guest. I've got with us today, Britt Ivy. Britt is the Courage Coach. She was born and raised in California. She's a graduate of UC Santa Barbara and Stanford. She then went off to Silicon Valley to work for CNN News Radio and CBS TV. She was a co-host of a local TV show, Creative Encounters. She launched her own talk show called Passion. She hosted that for 15 years. So this interview process is going to be super simple for her. She's just on the different other side of the microphone answering the questions versus asking them, which is going to be super fun. In 2015, she published her first book, Beyond My Dreams, which is a, a tribute to her father, which I'm super excited to get into that part of the conversation. If you're watching this on video, she actually has an, a photo of her dad in the background, which uh, is it's super inspiring. I can't wait to dig into that. And today, Britt helps others recognize and heal from PAT, post-abortion trauma, and we'll get into that as well. Along with being the Courage Coach, she is also a passionate, inspirational speaker. She currently resides in the beautiful Southern Oregon coast with her husband. And so Joel Solomon, which is a mutual friend of ours, is the one who introduced us. And so Joel, first off, thank you for doing that introduction. But I'm super excited about this conversation. As we talked about before we hit record, I kind of just let the conversations just kind of flow. I don't necessarily have a whole lot of structure to them, but at the same time, uh, I've been looking forward to this conversation. We've been back and forth, kind of tag, trying to get our, our calendars put together. And finally, today's the day. So Britt, thank you for coming and welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, Randy. It's really a privilege to be here with Mr. Rich Mind himself. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So this is a lot of fun. As I shared with you the first time we spoke, this part of the of doing the podcast, right? The interview portion of going back and forth with folks. I absolutely love this. And so that's where I know that this is going to be a, a fun conversation. So take a few minutes here at the beginning. Uh, give everybody a little bit more context about you, Britt. Uh, I gave a little bit, a few bullet points there, but uh, any other details that I might've missed? Well, you know, I sure enjoyed reading your portion of your Think Big book. And due to that story that you had about your father and the inspiration that he gave you before his passing, I, of course, used the photo here of my father, who was an inspiration in my life. And I loved the story of you two sitting down around finances. Mm -hmm. And my father was a financial genius, and he created his empire by helping other people steward their wealth. And that's what you do now. So I don't even know if we had the opportunity to talk much about that, but there were many times around the table. And like you and your father, I was so grateful for those when his sudden death came upon us. So those are treasured memories. And I just uh, thought in the tribute of both of our fathers, I would have his picture here. So hope it's not too much. And then of course, my, the book that I wrote to honor him beyond my dreams, 
It's available on Amazon. And basically, nobody realized he was a, a creative genius too. And he wrote poems on airplanes and he, airplane napkins and, and he was a poet. So this book is a compilation of his poetry. Which is super cool. As I mentioned to you before, I, I saw a few of the poems that he actually, and they were, he was writing them to you from what I can tell, right? Or at least a few of them for sure, which is about what time frame, age-wise for yourself was, was that taking place? You know, he wrote a poem for almost every birthday of mine uh, mm. through my 20s uh, for my sister as well. And he just really... Um, used both sides of his brain, which is amazing, and had a lot of the similar values that you and I share for self-improvement and, you know, took me to Tony Robbins firewalking when I was 17 and all this kind of fun stuff. I got to meet Zig Ziglar as a kid and, and later before he passed, I went to his last seminar and just the love of I hesitate with the word self-improvement. It's it's so self, you know, but the better we are as people, the better we can be out in the world and to the people around us. And he highly valued that. So I was born and raised in Palo Alto, California and very grateful for that. I got to ride horses growing up and showed for Stanford Stables and, and just the love of my life as a young kid was my horse. <laughs> was your horse that's awesome well, my family and my horse no i get it so from what i understand i've i've know of some other folks that have grew up in that area and before it became quote unquote silicon valley what we know of today uh, it was really very i don't know if the right word's barren but more pasture more like you're talking about riding horses and things of that sort is that is that that obviously must be accurate, right? Because that was what- No, I'm biased, but it's beautiful country. Woodside, Atherton, Palo Alto, Menlo Park. That's, that were, those were our stomping grounds as kids. And uh, just so grateful. Such a, a wonderful place to grow up there in Santa Clara County. And you probably saw then the big transition, the apples and the Googles and the, basically all that, that area, right? blooming and blossoming and becoming what it is today, right? All the, the basically the tech capital of the world at some point, right? I, I just can't imagine the transformation that's happened over the last, what's called, what, maybe 20 years, maybe, I would say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Steve Jobs was a couple of miles from our house uh, across town. And and of course, when I went to college, a lot of that that happened. And I missed out on on a lot of it until I came back later. And then yeah, big difference. Of course, we all go back to our hometowns and say, what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here, right? I, as folks that know me from the show, right, born and raised here in Indiana, which is nothing like Palo Alto, California. I'm not going to proclaim that it is. But at the same time, yeah, you'll go back to your hometown, home neighborhoods or whatever, right? And it's never it's never exactly the way you remember it. Pieces of it might be, right? But it's never 100% exactly the way it was back when you were a kid. So yeah, that's that's super cool. So let's dive into the three questions I, this is the part that I absolutely love as far as to try to dig a little bit more about the guests out, right? For the listeners, give everybody a chance to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, as I mentioned, we went through a few bullet points there, which are fascinating. And you shared a little bit of story about your dad, which I have a feeling that maybe this first question might be a little bit about that. We'll see. We'll see what you come up with. But let's dive into the three questions and see where this conversation takes us. But the first question that I always like to ask is who's been the biggest influence on your life, Britt? Well, Randy, with my faith, I have to say Jesus, you know, that that just has to go there. I wouldn't be here, actually, wouldn't be alive without him. And uh, getting through my father's passing 
that's what I clung to to make it through one of the most difficult times of my life. And besides that, my folks. And today the tribute is focused on my, my father. And I have an amazing mother as well. So I feel like I really hit gold with, with my parents. That's fantastic. So mm-hmm. we haven't said his name is Benjamin Franklin Ivy, which is once again, super fascinating, right? So any of us, obviously Americans, if you know, the name Benjamin Franklin is synonymous with Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, right? So can you tell us a little bit about kind of where that came from as far as I'm sure it, it was maybe passed down through generations with, with the family, that type of thing? I always thought that that's just fascinating that that was his name, uh, Benjamin Franklin. That's super cool. Well, it is super cool. And he really embodied a lot of the same characteristics. And uh, as the Benjamin Franklin president, we know, and beginning uh, founder of our our country. And Benjamin Franklin Ivy III was his name. So you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. There was some generational uh, longevity there. And he just was an amazing man. And his mom obviously had a little sense of humor, right, to to keep keep that up. But I've just always admired him so much. And the Benjamin Franklin Ivy the third that I knew was so humble, so positive. And I have really tried to remember a time, Randy, when I heard my dad speaking negatively. Mm. I can't remember a time when I've heard him, you know, speaking negatively about anyone. He also loved our country. I grew up absolutely loving the United States of America. And they used to teach history about loving our country and, and our roots and all that. Um, I think he'd get a kick out of the fact I'm working in the legislature now, which is another turn of events that only God could have figured out, right? Because you and I both believe that there's no accidents, that coincidence is when God chooses to remain anonymous, and uh, all sorts of fun twists and turns happen when you let him be in charge. And when I tried to be in charge of everything in my life as a younger person, I didn't do such a great job. So I'm really happy to let him do more of the driving now. And he had a lot of the same heroes that, that you and I have. I don't know, hero might be too strong of a word, but, but role models, people we really respect that are out there changing the world, giving to others. I, I mentioned Tony Robbins. I mean, feeding millions and millions of people. And, and that's something that I aspire to do with the, the rest of my life is to help others like you're doing. And having that influence so close to you, I would imagine was helpful growing up, right? Through all those that those uncertain years, right? Just just life in general, through those teenage years, through getting out of school and kind of getting out there in the quote unquote real world, having that right. that positive influence, like we talked about. I mean, he's writing yeah. you notes, poems, right, of encouragement. Right. Yeah. How how great or impactful was that for you to kind of keep and and take that information? Have it in the back of your mind, right? As you're moving forward through all of these different challenges that are going on in your life. Well, I didn't realize now, having studied quantum physics, having studied science and all of the the brain science that we now know that is ever evolving, I didn't realize that I basically was so blessed to have a model every single day, you know, with my folks of what we now read about and people aspire to become. So for that, I'm, I'm ever grateful. Um, I remember, I think Ken Smalley, he did, uh, which book was Ken Smalley? He was in our living room at one time because my dad was doing multiple seminars with him. And 
uh, Seven Habits, Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. And, and mm. we were just so grateful to be around some of these folks that really were aspiring to change the lives of others for the better, because it's all mindset, you know? Yes. And sure, it's easy to say that when you have, you know, roof over your head and, and food on the table. And I've never known hunger personally. I've certainly known some hard times, but that's not about what this podcast is about. So I'll leave that out. So I can definitely relate. And my heart breaks for, you know, people living on the streets and, and um, things of that nature. But I formed a 501c3 around that named Heart Life. And my mission is going to be helping folks with that, especially around the PAT course that I have coming out that we spoke about. Yeah, of course. And we'll definitely get into that here very, very soon. Excited to dig into that for sure. Yeah, the influences that you've got and you've had uh, are so, and I don't mean you specifically, Britt, but just in general, right? Us. Yes. It's so important, right? What we're feeding ourselves, what we're listening to, who we're surrounding ourselves with, and to have those influences that close to you and that readily available. Yeah, that's super cool. And that's 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 super neat to know that that your father was such a big impact on you, which means that you're going to continue, right? Take that same impact and give it to others. And that reciprocation part, it just giving and giving and giving, that's super cool. So good for you. Doing our best to pay it forward. And you mentioned the Kiyosakis in your book had such a big influence on you. I had the pleasure of meeting the two of them, getting a picture with them on stage and the whole rich dad, poor dad. Uh, concept. He's changed the lives of millions with that. And here I was living with somebody embodying uh, the more positive effects of that. That's super cool. So I encourage folks, anybody listening to this, that's a huge advocate of going out there and finding those positive voices. And certain people are going to resonate with you and certain people won't, right? And that's okay. But continue to search, continue to find and you will you'll get those nuggets of wisdom that that completely resonate with you that you can then take action upon. And when you continue to take that positive action, the results are going to start taking care of themselves. Hence the reason why I'm on this fantastic call with Britt right now. Had I not taken the action many, 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 many years ago and continue to keep moving forward, keep to put myself in a positive position, we wouldn't be having this conversation, which is why I'm so grateful. This is going to be so much fun. So moving yes. on, a little bit of a pivot then for the second question. And you kind of touched about uh, some of the heartaches and things that you might have had in the past. I'd be curious on what's been the greatest challenge you've had and what have you learned from that, Britt? Well, I've got my Kleenex here. <laughs> you know, it's hard to boil down to one challenge. I've been also blessed with many challenges in my life, many of which were self-imposed. I don't want to say I took my childhood for granted, but I had no idea how blessed I was when I was raised. You know, I we had chores. I had to earn my allowance. You know, we had two dollars for raking the yard. You know, all all had my list of chores, and that our value around earning money um, was you save to purchase something. So I had no idea, you know, the lifestyle that we were living, that how blessed we were. Put it that way, because it was. You know, you, you wear the same pair of tennis shoes till they wear out, you know, and then it, it might be five years. I used to get teased at the barn all the time. Can't your parents afford your tennis shoes? And it's like, well, I love these tennis shoes. I'm going to wear the same tree torns till they fall off me. Right. And if I wanted something, I earned the money with my chores and and went out and bought it. I bought my first Kodak Instamatic camera, I think, when I was like eight. And of course, they don't have them anymore. But I went down to the <laughs> bank, which um, at the time, I think Ray Crocker started Crocker Bank in Palo Alto, and then 
trying to think which bank it became. I think it became Wells Fargo and, and uh, got my first social security card when I was nine, you know, so things like that. And had my first job in high school, my first two jobs. And, you know, we prided ourselves on that. And I think it would really break my dad's heart to see what's happening to the country as far as paying people not to work instead of paying people to work. So you can develop the self-esteem because my heart breaks for those people that don't realize that there's a connection between your self-esteem and the quality of your life and having some, some diligent industry to attend to, right? To have a job, to, to raise a family. And, you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom and that was, that was her job. And anyone who thinks that that's not a full-time, you know, CEO job hasn't been a mom, right? <laughs> so it's like... That is correct. So, I, my mom was that way for me. And then my wife, we made the decision a long time ago that that was, we, she stayed home with our, my kids, right? And I 100% witnessed it firsthand for myself. Growing up, I didn't necessarily maybe understand that 100%, but then seeing my wife do it for my three kids. So yes, you're 100% correct. That is 100% a full-time job, 24-7, 365, until they're able to obviously get out and start taking care of themselves. So when my parents divorced, and I thought we had the Brady Bunch family, that was devastating, really hit me. And by the time I went to college, uh, let's see, they divorced when I was just about 16. Then I decided, I started um, turning to other things to, to medicate the pain, basically. So my life took a turn at my own hands. I have no one to blame. It just was so devastating and such a shock because of course everything seemed perfect on the outside. We didn't have parents that fought or anything like that. You know, back in the day, it was just I'm going to find myself and they grew apart and, and, and what have you. So one of the other questions I think you have is what you would tell your 20 year old self that's kind of coming up. Um, I would say, watch out who you hang out with. Mm. Who you hang out with has a huge influence on you. And of course, um, some of the quote gurus. And by the way, did you know the definition of guru? Spell it. G U R U, right? So each person I has of that. Yeah, that's that's good. I like that. So that's each great. person has, you know, we have our own guiding board voice and conscience. And I lost some of listening to my own conscience, went to college, of course, on the beach. We we'd go to school with our bikinis under our clothes and go take our books out. People, you know, bathing suits on the balcony at the library in Santa Barbara <laughs> was just normal. But it was a, a blessing, a, a wonderful time. But hanging around the wrong crowd, uh, again, I'm not blaming anyone, but just uh, I didn't choose wisely as, as when I was younger and had the elements of my family to help me navigate the world. So I got myself into some serious pain, decided I wanted to be skinnier than everyone else, got an eating disorder, you know, had, had that rule my life for, for longer than I care to admit. And, and then, uh, you know, going out and attending parties and and then that went too far you know and and just really taking a segue of my life that i don't regret now because there's a saying called god thank you for the crooked road that led me straight to you so i think that i wouldn't be where i am today uh, if it hadn't been for all that and i wouldn't have the empathy for for other people that have gone through hardships you know so there you have it that was I appreciate you sharing yep. yeah 
appreciate you sharing. I know that can be difficult. So to be able to get into that in depth, you know, I, I like truly appreciate you taking a moment there to share some of that with us. Uh, it is. So associations, I talk about associations a lot on the podcast and 100% makes a huge difference in the outcome of where you'll be. That's what I'm hearing from you. And I'm thinking back to my about that same time frame, late high school, college time frame, and you just have choices, right? And you start hanging around with the wrong people, the right or the being in the wrong place at the wrong time type of situations. And yeah, you just never know what a couple of different decisions uh, really could could change things for you. So once again, I just appreciate you sharing that story with you. So you you mentioned that I do have the question. You referred to it as the I love this part. The question of if you could share a nugget of wisdom back with that 18, 19, 20-year-old self, right? I'm always just, I've always been a searcher for wisdom, right? Folks that have been down the path that you can pass it back. And it's been my experience that when I ask that question of folks, it's amazing what comes out. So if is there anything you can think of that you wish you would have known in that 20-year-old-ish time frame that obviously you've proven to be true today? Is there anything at all that, that kind of sticks with that in your mind? Well, how many hours do you have, Randy? <laughs> I told you at the beginning, we can go as long as you want. My afternoon is free, but, you know, I've, obviously we've uh, got a little bit of a time frame here, but yeah, whatever you'd like. Well, one of the things I would say, well, let me just share where that took me, where I left off. And another decision that I made that has me fueling the passion for my life currently in helping other women. So one of the decisions that I made that I wish I could take back is I got myself, you know, in love, living with my boyfriend. And of course, I was raised that you graduate high school, you go to college, you fall in love, you get engaged, you finish college, then you get married and have kids. Well, I was living with the love of my life at the time. And we thought we'd get married at some point after college. And I got pregnant. And I panicked and didn't know what to do. And in a TEDx talk that I have delivered that has yet to be uploaded or approved, I should say, I, I delineate kind of what happened in about 16 minutes. No, actually that was only 12 minutes. I did it in 12 minutes. But um, I made a decision that I wish I could take back. And today I help women uh, who've ended a pregnancy learn to recover. And there's something um, that is not really disclosed. I'm, I'm noticing my, I'm getting a lot slower here as I'm starting to kind of dive into this. Let me read you my mission statement, Randy. Why don't I do that? And then I can kind of backpedal into, into the experience. Perfect. It might help your audience understand where I'm going. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. So today I help Christian heart-centered, loving women of faith who have suffered for years from symptoms of abortion trauma and have begun their healing journey, but still feel stuck in unhealthy patterns and have settled into a life of getting by, to courageously step into their best lives by applying tools and techniques to overcome self-defeating behavior, fear, and anxiety, so they're thriving confidently, living a satisfying, peace-filled life, and are a blessing to those around them and able to help others. So I, I made a decision and then basically was haunted for 20 plus years 
by something that the world tells you there's no such thing, that there are no after effects, that there's no problem, just go, they'll take care of it at the center. And um, I'm here to tell you there are after effects and they ran my life. So self-sabotage, eating disorders, addictions, picking abusive relationships, um, depression, suicidal thinking. So all of this, I had no idea had anything to do with the decision that I made back in college. So on the outside, I'm running around doing the best I can to make life work, you know, holding down the positions that we had talked about, but had no idea that all of these symptoms had anything to do with this decision that I had made. So now I help other women that are stuck with these phantom symptoms become aware. And my course is called A Clear Path to Healing. Nice. I love that. Yep. So you'd mentioned phantom symptoms. And mm -hmm. you tell me, like I said, this is, I'm learning about this from you, right? So if I ask questions that are way off base, stop me. If you know what I mean, anything like that, right? I just want to just kind of dig a little deeper in that. So you mentioned phantom symptoms. So uh, is there any examples that you might be able to use that, you know, if somebody might be or might not be, or doesn't even realize that they're possibly having some of those same similar symptoms? Is there anything that uh, comes to mind as far as for the listeners to, to think about? Well, one third of any audience anywhere, whether you're at church, whether you're at a PTA meeting at a concert or in Congress, one third of any audience anywhere has been touched by abortion somehow, right? So anyone listening, you know, we don't, it's not something that people often talk about, but often if you ask yourself, do I have any depression? Do I have self-sabotage? Eating disorders, addictions, alcoholism, any of these things, if they're apparent in your life, then there's a, a good chance that that came from the decision that you made earlier. And for me, when the penny dropped with a quote, coincidence on an airplane that God arranged, um, it's a short story I wrote called Angels on Airplanes. Um, when the penny dropped for me, uh, I was sobbing my eyes out. I'm on a flight. The woman next to me finally turns to me and says, would you like a tissue? She looked kind of like, Florence Henderson, an older uh, Florence Henderson from the Brady Bunch, you know, the mom from the Brady Bunch, sweet woman. And this coincidence um, came about where I had to sit next to her because I thought every single seat was filled. Every seat on the plane was filled. And I was hysterical because I had just left not so great of a relationship in Santa Barbara. I got on a plane, was sobbing. And anyway, she finally ended up asking me if I wanted tissue and politely said yes. I end up sobbing and telling her my college life story for 30 minutes. This woman who'd never laid eyes on me before just listens to me go on and on and on. She finally reaches into her purse, hands me a pamphlet, Randy, and says, take a look at this. And I look down and it says, do you suffer from depression, eating disorders, self-sabotage, suicidal thinking? I looked to her and I said, they know me. <laughs> She said, Britt, turn that over. And when I did, it said PAT, post-abortion trauma. And it was a pamphlet. And she just happened to be on the board of directors for a pregnancy care center. And it was a pamphlet for a class, which I later took. And I was changed after 14 weeks of 
facing this and, and sharing with other women in a safe environment, um, I, I began my healing journey. So that's, that's part of the miracle of God. And then later we were sharing at a retreat. We spoke at retreats um, together sometimes and we were at a retreat and at the podium on stage in front of the whole audience, she turns to me and she says, Britt, I never did understand why you had to sit next to me on that plane. And I looked at her and I said, Jenny, I had to sit next to you. Every single seat was taken by all these men in business suits. I thought there must have been a convention somewhere. And she turns to me and said, Britt, that plane was almost empty. Wow. So to this day, we believe God filled that plane with angels. So I'd have to sit next to Jenny and I'd have to change my life and hopefully help some of your audience change theirs too. Which is exactly what you're out and your mission is today, right? Is to take that same or similar experience and share it and express it in a way, being the courage coach. I love that title, right? That you've given yourself to help women experience a better lifestyle. We talked about earlier how you were raised with this positive influence in your life, a little bit sideways in your teens, early 20s, right? But then coming back to, I, I didn't quite catch what was her name again, the, your, your mentor slash person. Jenny, and she's been Jenny. my best woman mentor for the last 30 years. No, I'm yeah. sorry, 20, 20 plus years. That's yep. fantastic. So to have that person come back in or come into your life, right? Unprovoked. But at the same time, exactly the message that you needed at that moment to think that you might be that person for somebody else or, or you are that person for somebody else. That's so, so super exciting, which is why I know that that's why you're so excited about uh, all the things that you're, you're working towards as far as getting the word out to folks and trying to help as many women as you possibly can. Can you talk about kind of where you're going with, with trying to take that message and, and get it out to as many people as you possibly can? Well, Randy, you're exactly right. This is what makes me excited because on that plane, when I turned that pamphlet over, all of a sudden, my life made sense. All of a sudden, I wasn't crazy. All of a sudden, I didn't you know, have to feel hopeless anymore. It was like, wow, okay. Oh my gosh, okay. I understand. I can change. I can shift. And it affects all walks of life. You know, um, anyone from interview to someone who had had the abortion at 14 last week. So, and I've met women after speaking, uh, come off a stage and I've had a woman in her nineties tell me she never even told her, her husband and just was able to let go of the shame around it. So there are all sorts of avenues for meeting women where they're at parenting. It affects your parenting, but you don't really realize it, you know, cause one of the other symptoms is we kind of numb our emotions, you know, so you're not quite as present with, with, with those around you. And there've been over 65 million abortions in the last 40 plus years, just in the United States of America. And it actually affects the man too. But my, I'm, I've got to start somewhere. So I'm focusing on the women, women first. So that's 130 million people out there walking around, have no idea why their life's not working and that it had anything to do with this. So for me, it's just kind of like pulling that back. There's no shame. There's no blame. I'm not interested in a political debate or a religious debate with anybody. I'm just here for healing, you know, 
women need to need help and a space to heal. So uh, the freedom that can come with that, you know, it doesn't need to take the rest of your life. It doesn't need to cost a million dollars. It doesn't need to to um, take over everything else in your life. Healing's possible. So that's my message. That's super hopeful, right? Giving hope to folks. Right. So the question I've got, and you mentioned it there briefly as far as, so the males, so obviously I'm a guy. <laughs> is, really? Yeah, yeah, I'm a guy. So how or do you interact with men in this same type of environment or is it mostly just women? And I just isn't the right word. Is it mostly women, I should say? Right. Well, as I mentioned, my focus is at this time uh, with women, but I know it affects men too. A friend of mine was... Um, at a dinner with his college best friend and they're at dinner in San Francisco. And I, I spoke to him a couple of weeks after this dinner and he was reminding me about his conversation. And he said, you know, John looked at me and said, tomorrow's the 28th anniversary of when Carolyn and I had our abortion in mm. college. So they remember too. So it's, and it's not a fair, it's not a fair fight right? Uh, there's no disclosure. So if you listen to when I was at CBS in 2020, it became legal to sell pharmaceuticals on television. Before that, you never saw any pharmaceutical ads, right? And now you've got your 30 or 60 second spots. Most of them, since they pay for all of television, can afford the 60 second spots, right? So, so you've got, okay, if you want your blood pressure medicine or you know, whatever the new fad is, uh, if you want your Viagra, whatever you have there, you have to listen to 60 seconds of, okay, your left toe could fall off, your right arm could fall off, you could <laughs> die tomorrow, you know, you listen to that for 60 seconds, they have to disclaim it. Well, there's no disclaimer that says, by the way, if you choose to go in this pregnancy, just know you could have suicidal thinking, you could have depression for years, shame, guilt that follow you around, eating disorders, addictions, you don't know why. So there should be a disclaimer for that. So in my experience, and I'm curious to get your opinion, is that most, if not the majority of folks are always looking for an outside thing to fix all of this versus turning inside, right? It's like you're talking about the suicidal thoughts. And so the, the key concept there is that it's your thoughts. It's what's going on internally. It's what's creating your images or your surroundings on the outside. Do you, yeah. Do you have any thoughts about that? That's, that's been my experience is that folks are focusing too much on looking for a fix from, from something out here when it's actually in here, in your, in your heart, in your mind. Anyways, I'll throw that out there too. Is it, does that resonate with you at all? Well, you're absolutely right. And that's much of my course is, is thinking modalities. And we've got modules specifically on self-care because once you can care for yourself better at a deeper level, then you can start to look at your thinking. And the thinking, you know, you are what you think. Mm -hmm. You are what you eat and you are what you think, right? So we've got <laughs> a bunch of healthy, healthy alternatives to the, the past. So we're all born with a hole, right? And most of us spend the entire life that we have trying to fill that hole with something. I call it a God-shaped hole. And I'm not here to judge anybody else. For myself, that was the only thing that filled that hole. And I had searched high and wide and every single other thing. I've seen billionaires on their deathbed. Well, 
one in particular, and nobody wants another trip to the ATM at the end, right? They want their family around. They want, they want a peace. So my program helps women develop a peace, just to live in a peace, find what, what makes you feel good about yourself and go out there and help others with it. Um, most women that I've interviewed, and I've interviewed a lot, want to be a blessing to others. They want to feel whole and peaceful so then they can go out and bless others. So this God-shaped hole doesn't get filled with anything but God, as far as what I understand. So all the money, you know, I got my dream car, I got my this and that. And, and you hear other people that are very successful talk about the same thing, you know, and uh, reaching the outer success without fulfillment, either with relationships or a, a peace is really failure. You know, so like your question there. Right. And that's, that's been my experience. And so I appreciate the way you articulated that for sure. Cause that's, if folks could turn it back, right. Focus on the internal dialogue, how you feel, how you're being, I talk, you know, everybody, the be do have, I think everybody flips that around. It has everybody focusing on the having versus who are they being, right? What are they being? What are they becoming? All of those words and phrases is what I always try to think about for myself. And then obviously, then I try to explain that to other people. And you articulated that very, very well. And I appreciate that. So if folks or if ladies are in the audience today, listening to us, having some conversations in their own mind, right? It might be something that they're keeping to themselves, which I totally get that. As you mentioned, there's no judgment. There's no anything. At this point, though, it's just a matter of they're thinking, okay, I think I might be struggling with something like this. Are there any resources that you, obviously you've got a course or a training that you've got coming out, but are there any, uh, I didn't realize that the PAT was an organization. Can you go into a little bit more details as far as people can it's not start down the journey? Oh, it's not. I thought it was. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. It's just an acronym for post-abortion trauma. Okay. So my course is post-abortion trauma to post-abortion transformation is really the premise uh, at this point, it's called a clear path to healing. We're in the final stages of launch. So I uh, don't know if that would, would change or not. I doubt it, but they can certainly find me at, at gridivy.com. And uh, in the meantime, you know, there's a, a wonderful work out there that's been out there for a long time. That is a great start for your healing journey called Forgiven and Set Free. It's a book called Forgiven and Set Free. You can't miss it if you, you Google it. That's and great. Of course, back in the day, um, there was no Google uh, when I was in college. We didn't even have cell phones. So <laughs> there are a lot more resources now for healing. It's become a lot more known that this is actually a, a phenomenon. So you imagine course, going back to the day of not having any of, of what we have today? I mean, even having this discussion that we're having right now. I mean, just a few years ago, it's not even heard of. I mean, it, it still blows my mind. Honestly, I'd prefer it to go back. There are times I would too. Honestly, I'd prefer it. When you use it as a tool for good, like if you're using it to fill that hole, like you're mentioning, uh, really to pump yourself up full of good things, you can get yourself surrounded with a lot of great information and great people in a very short period of time if you're actively seeking out those great things. Right. But it can easily go out the wrong direction as well. Right. And 
yeah, that's been, once again, that's been my experience. It's just amazing because I can remember <laughs> I'm in that time frame too. Uh, we don't need to throw ages and in, in times and all that out there, but at the same time, yeah, college and all that, there was uh, no pre-internet or this was all pre-internet. I remember sitting in a co college classroom, just a little side note here. And the professor was talking about selling domain names or buying and selling domain names. And I was in the back of the room and I, I raised my hand. And I said, what the heck is a domain? What is that? <laughs> That's how early I can go back to remembering even what a domain was. I didn't even know what that term meant, which obviously we talk about that all the time now. So to switch gears a little bit, I'd love to just kind of just piggyback or, or kind of uh, rewind it a little bit. Talk a little bit more about your dad, if that's okay. You mentioned, and I don't think I'm familiar with the story. And if I, I'm hoping you're willing to go here, because I think that we can both kind of piggyback off each other with our stories as far as how, obviously, we lost our fathers early, earlier than what we should have, it sounds like, right? So can you talk a little bit about that experience for yourself? And I would obviously love to kind of go back and forth with that. You had mentioned that uh, obviously he was doing great things for great people, uh, but unfortunately he uh, he left us sooner than what we obviously wish would have happened. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Benjamin Franklin, Ivy the Third, that uh, the listeners would would love to hear about? Well, I guess that you asked, I will I will go there. It it's um, up there with the other hardest time in my life, and. Mm -hmm. Also a time that now I look back and I'm grateful that uh, I believe it's built character in me that my dad would be proud of. And basically at 69, uh, he ran eight miles a day, a picture of health. Uh, you know, people thought he was in his forties, just always we, you know, he and I would do exercises to Jack Lane before he'd go to work. His work ethic was amazing. So we'd be at 5.30 in the morning. I'm a little kid, right? Trying to do push-ups with daddy, you know, just the, and then, of course, it was horses. But here's the picture of health. And at 69, I got a phone call. And long story short, I'll just cut to the chase. He got a brain tumor, the worst kind known to man. It's called glioblastoma. And nobody's ever lived past, you know, a year or so. And average is a couple of months. So as you can imagine, um, this was absolutely devastating. On top of that, his um, third wife, who had been his secretary, who now runs an organization that is a uh, foundation, they had been married uh, approximately five years or so. Um, my sister and I had made some decisions when we were younger that um, I also regret, but I had um, been under the influence of some counselors that uh, had me think that some things had happened that actually hadn't uh, within, within my family. So when he got sick, of course, he went to all the best medical treatments that you could find and, and used those days and weeks to try non-traditional methods of, of healing and then ended up at the end of that at Stanford Hospital. And I still remember after he had his, his brain surgery, and the fallout that happened in the family, uh, we were limited to see him for like short periods of time by his wife at the time. So um, we had also, he'd been very transparent with me about finances and nobody else in the family really knew. He was such a humble person. 
what he had uh, amassed in his lifetime. So being limited short periods of time and then at the end he was in a, in a hospital bed because um, he wanted to be there at home instead of at the hospital. And I still remember being threatened on the telephone uh, by uh, somebody who claimed to have been a friend of his and a business associate saying, you know, if you uh, contest this will, we'll make sure that you're penniless. And I'm on the parking lot floor sobbing because I'm losing my dad. I'm not thinking about any of this, but obviously the people around him were. Um, and little did I know everything was being liquidated while he was on his deathbed. Just horrific. Speaking about this, uh, that you brought this up is, uh, a bit uncomfortable. Again, I believe my dad would be very proud of the character that it built to just walk away from that. And when you have just lost somebody who's instrumental in your life in such a quick manner, it was just devastating. I couldn't even, I couldn't function very well for a year or two. So thank you once again, because I think our stories are more mirror each other than you even realize at this point. You read my little story in the book, which was a very, very small snippet of reality. And I'd be willing, I'd love to share a little bit with you right now, if you're, if you're willing to kind of hear a little bit, because it very much mirrors similar with my father. He found out in June of the year in 2016, I believe that he was, he had a, a rectal colon cancer that was inoperable. And like with a brune tumor, something like that, right? It was just really fast, really sudden, but he didn't have any of his, he didn't have, he thought he was going to live forever. Like you said, he was kind of a bill of health. He was, I can't say he was uh, Jack LaLanne, right? Is that the name that you, you mentioned there? He wasn't quite that healthy, but at the same time, my grandfather made it, I believe 97, 98. My grandmother was like in her mid to late eighties. Anyways, he didn't think that there was any chance that he would be uh, leaving us anytime soon. And this was six months before he was supposed to retire at 65. So that was all of a sudden, he didn't have any of his, any of his uh, financials, finances and any of that in order. He didn't have a will. He didn't have any of that because he just assumed he was going to be fine for a long time. I can remember sitting across from him. He was obviously starting to show some physical signs of, of his ailment. And I'm like, dad, you've got to get this figured out like now, like yesterday. And he's like, oh, I will, son. I'm going to do it on Monday. So he was staying with a live-in person. They weren't married, but they had a lot of co-joined accounts and things. So without any major specifics, Things changed in a hurry, meaning once he basically went unconscious. So from that weekend conversation, he passed the following, I believe, Monday or Tuesday, but he went unconscious very quickly after that, that conversation of dad, you need to get some things figured out. And things snapped, meaning the person he was with basically locked everything down. And my brother and I, we were trying to figure out what, how in the world are we even going to bury my father? We didn't know what his wishes were. We didn't know what he wanted. We didn't know how it was going to be. I didn't even, he had tools that would take up this entire room. I didn't get a single one of them because she locked the whole thing down and accused me of being a money hungry something or other. And I'm like, anyways, I just wanted to shed some light that I appreciate you sharing that because it's, it mirrors a lot of some of the similar situations that I went through with losing my father as well, which is a huge influence as to why. I'm doing what I'm doing today, which is why you're doing what you're doing today, which is why we're having this conversation. So 
you know, thank you for, for sharing that. And hopefully that uh, resonates a little bit with you as far as, uh, you know, the similarities with that too, for sure. Well, I honor you for sharing that. And I still, you know, had people at the time contesting a will in California was, uh, it was a, a law had been changed and that, that was not favorable. But I really, I honor you for sharing that. It's not easy to share, especially when you're accused of being the money person, but then the other person takes the money, right? Yeah. And then to be, to be, and they didn't know we had a PI uh, mm. watching the activities and it was pretended that, that uh, she was going to go do one thing, but it turns out she was meeting with the, his business partners to, you know, rewrite the documents and, you know, $50 million later. And um, I'm grateful and blessed for uh, what made it uh, to, to me and my sister. And at the same time, the day, well, not the day after, the year after the statute of limitations were out, $200 million went into the foundation, just showed up from the, the foundation that she was made uh, herself the head of. Now, I've had a lot of time to absolutely come to terms with this. And I send love and honor and respect um, and have for years to that person. And however things shook down, we all have our own conscience. And what, and, and I, I just decided to take responsibility for this is some decisions I made as a younger person and a period of time where I didn't honor my father and mother, mother, you know, that I think that's in the Bible for a reason. And for whatever reason, I like to think now that I was protected. You know, I always wanted to buy a plane. What if I got a plane and I crashed it? You know, what if I, I come up with things like this, you know, or what if I started, you know, partying again, you know, my life went sideways. I just believe and I wouldn't be like this with Jesus either, probably, if I had all, all of a sudden had so many millions of dollars, you know, but I want to honor my father. And I, I'm so excited to have a foundation that I just started and, and maybe there'll be some proceeds into it someday where I can, can help some other women. But in the meantime, you know, we used to call it care. He used to call it character building on the days that I'd have to go to the dump with him. And I don't know if you've ever been to the, the dump. Uh, but we'd go out there. It was in the, the Baylands in the Bay Area. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, you need nose plugs, the whole deal. <laughs> but, you know, it was my job. There were no boys in the family to jump on the trash cans until the once a week trash would come. And then we'd go on the weekends and, and go to the dump. I mean, that's character building. Well, I also mucked out my own stall for my horse. You know, some of the other girls had other people do that. I cleaned my own stalls. I had to have my own job to pay half of his rent every month. And I'm so grateful for that. So that's who, who I get to be. And it sounds like you had to live through a similar um, shockwave of unexpected turn of events. And what I found out too, during this time after uh, um, mourning, which lasted so long, when I finally kind of came out of it and have uh, 20 years of clean and sober living now, I, I just, I'm grateful for all that that's happened and who it shaped me to be. And it looks like uh, same things happened with you and all the success you've made in your life and your family. I know your wife is so dear to you and you, you're just a great dad and, and I'm just really happy for you. So we came out victorious. Absolutely. And it's always a work in progress. But like you said, without those tragedies and, and setbacks and all that, we wouldn't be who we are today. 
Uh, it doesn't feel like it in the moment. I wouldn't uh, wish any of that on anybody, but at the same time, when you can kind of take it in and just kind of think about it and just, once again, it's an internal work, right? It's not something you need external to fix it. It's, it's an internal job and really control those thoughts, control those emotions, the forgiveness, the gratefulness, all of the things that we've kind of touched base on today is exactly the healing process that's required to begin seeing a new life that you probably don't think that might be even possible. But I, I promise you from my experience, it is. And it sounds like from you that it is as well. And I hope and pray that those involved, the ones that are still alive, have peace of mind. And there you have it. Yeah, Randy, it's such a pleasure to, to this visit has been with fun. you. And I'm yeah, so excited for your, your next book. I think you had mentioned you're working on something too, right? I'm always working on the next thing, right? The entrepreneurial mind is never, never sitting still. So I'm always <laughs> trying to think of the next thing. Uh, this podcast right now is kind of my, uh, I'm kind of getting in the groove with it. And I'm really enjoying it, bringing on guests such as yourself. It's been a ton of fun. So if ladies and gentlemen, but ladies mostly out there that are thinking, okay, I need to get a hold of Britt. Some of the things that she's mentioning and talking about is exactly where I see myself today. And I know that she can help me bridge that gap from where I'm at today to this brighter future. What are the best places for people to reach out to you and learn more about you, Britt? You know, the inventor of social media is from my hometown, but I have stayed off it for, for most of my, my life. So um, at this time, I guess just BrittIvy.com. Yeah, go to Britt Ivy. Dot com, correct? Is there a place for people to put in to get on any, any kind of mailing list or anything like that to connect with you Absolutely. there? Absolutely. Just go on. You can book a discovery call with me and spend a few minutes on the phone and, and see how I might be of service to you. That would be awesome. So folks, I recommend that you go out there and discover Brit for yourself. As I mentioned earlier in this conversation, that, that she was brought to me by a, a friend of mine that we jumped on a couple phone calls and we got to know each other a little bit. And today we, I've learned more and it's been fascinating to learn about Brit. And I know that she can impact your life in a positive way. So go out there, go to BritIV.com, get on any kind of mailing list that you can find. We'll get out there as, as soon as the URL and the domain, I talked about domains earlier, as soon as the domain name becomes live as far as this new course that she has presented, I will definitely post that uh, in the show notes, or definitely I will put that on the social media out there as well. So folks go out there, have a fantastic day. I hope you found this conversation with Britt and I uh, valuable. Uh, sometimes it's tough to be vulnerable. And I really commend uh, Britt today to go as deep as she did. I've tried to share a few things uh, that have happened in my life. And hopefully some of that will resonate with you and your story. And just understand that we are all on this journey that it seems like it might be a straight line, but unfortunately, uh, it can be farther from the truth. We have to take the ups and the downs, but at the end of the day, we're all here to support each other. And once again, hopefully you found valuable in the conversation today. So go out there, make it a great day. I look forward to bringing you the next guest in the episode coming up very soon. And until then, bye now. Thank you for joining me on the Rich Mind Podcast. I hope you found a ton of value in this episode. If so, I'd really appreciate a five-star review. And you can also share it with your family and friends. And as my mentor Jim Roden shared with me, in order to have more, you must first become more. And in order to become more, you must work harder on yourself than you do on your job. So go out there today, 
and work harder on yourself to become more and build the life of your dreams. Until next time, my friends. Thank you.